0: Podcast number 21, Mental Illness and Accessing the Atoning Power of Jesus Christ. To begin today, I wanted to state how interesting it has been for me to record these podcasts. I don't get to see the audience, I don't get to see you guys, I don't get to see what benefit might or actually might not have been obtained, I don't get to hear about the miracles that might have occurred in your lives, I don't get the opportunity to really know you as an audience. I do try to see you and what you deal with on a daily basis. I try to remember my own pains as a source of understanding your pain. And in the end, all I hope is that one little phrase of my musings and recordings is heard and makes a small difference in your life. That perhaps in some small way, my pain and suffering can be the source of healing for another whose pain and suffering is just as difficult and unrelenting. That it gives the individual pondering suicide... One more day of hope. You might find it interesting how helpful these podcasts actually have been for me. It's taken me thirty-five years to get to a point that I can even discuss my illness without causing me more distress than it would have been worth. There were times in my life when I thought that I would never live this long and be as happy as I now am. Now, I'm not here to say that to mock anyone, but I do say it that you so that you Well, I say it so that you know that you don't know what the future holds. If you hold on to what you have in the principles of the gospel, your future is likely to be bright if you hold on through the darkness. I know how tough that is to see sometimes. I really hope that the Lord blesses you in your affliction, as he has blessed me and so many others. In one of my more recent podcasts, entitled, Why Me? Why Suffering? Why Not? I discuss mental illness from the perspective that it is not a random disease, meaning that while it occurs in a certain percentage of the population due to genetics, trauma, injury, and so forth, I believe that the Lord allows it to occur only in selected individuals. I don't believe that any of our trials of any nature are given by chance. I believe that the Lord carefully weighs those concerns against the balances of exaltation and then allows them to occur, to teach us necessary principles. And My belief is based on the idea that, for the most part, the individual is working towards exaltation, no matter how feeble the attempt might feel at the time. This really means that they are trying to do what the Lord wants, despite natural tendencies, inadequacies, and weaknesses they possess. Now, my choice of figurative parallel um, for this type of behavior is, I call it under the Lord's umbrella of protection. Now, the Lord has often used a different analogy uh, as a chicks under the wings of their mother. And in some ways, I suppose it's a better analogy. It's, it more adequately describes the love and care concern that our Savior has. In any case, one places himself under the protection of the Lord by obedience. There is no requirement of perfect obedience, just that you're working towards it. Now, certainly effort, determination, intent, and knowledge are critical, but the reality is is it's going to be different for everyone. Under the protection of the Lord is important. Within the protecting realms of the umbrella, or wings, or whatever you might want to call them, the Lord can tailor our experiences and the trials so that they can have a definitive purpose and design. Ultimately, goals of exaltation, salvation, joy, and peace can be met. Now, outside of the protection of the Lord, the individual can bring upon themselves trials, unhappiness, injury, and even destruction that the Lord cannot tailor as easily as it would be against our principle of agency. Once outside the protection of the Lord, one has placed themselves in a dangerous position where trials can become overwhelming, destructive, and dangerous to the soul, as through agency one has chosen to remove themselves from the protective covering of the Lord. Now, in my life, and perhaps your own, I've often heard the euphemism quoted that the Lord will not give you more than you can handle. I believe that it comes from First Nephi 3, seven, and perhaps several other scriptures, where Nephi gives his famous answer of, I will go and do what the Lord has commanded, for I know that the Lord gaveth no commandment, save he shall prepare a way. I think it is the promised prepare a way that has given rise to this uh, euphemism. I am sure that there are several other scriptures that probably could be noted that are similar to this. The statement is true that the Lord will not give you more than you can handle, or even if he chooses to do so, he provides the needed strength through grace. So if you remain within the protection of the Lord, you will never be asked to walk through a trial that is not possible for you to overcome. However, it is very true that you can go through your agency, well, can through your agency walk away from the protective covering of the Lord and give yourselves greater trials than you can handle. Why is this discussion important to the atonement, and what does it have to do with mental illness? I think that it helps us to understand the atonement of Jesus Christ in unique ways as far as mental illness, and the power of the atonement of Jesus Christ to heal a wounded soul. It provides for the spiritual theory that mental illness is not a random illness to those working within the covenants of the gospel. It is a test and a unique method of educating and sanctifying the spirit and soul. It also can help us understand how best to access the power of the atonement of Jesus Christ as we suffer with the illness. Now, I'm going to explain the atonement in a manner which you may or may not have heard it before explained. I'm going to approach the subject from the perspective of a perfect judge or the priesthood keys of judgment. Why is a perfect judge the place to start? Well, no one can enter the celestial realms without being celestial. The kingdom of God is not filthy, meaning that only individuals of a certain character and nature can enter. This means those given the keys of judgment can make no mistake as to who they allow the privilege of entrance. This perfect judge must take one's past and present and project it onto eternity, and then say with perfect confidence and clarity, that the individual will remain true to the principles of celestial life. As I ponder that, it seems like almost an impossible task, given the nature of who we are in this world. Well, there is actually more to, it that, more to it than simply projecting future behavior. Let's say there was a judge, known to almost everyone in the community. Having ruled on many cases, he was known to be fair, impartial, and just. You knew that if you went before the judge, the ruling would be fair. May not like it, but it was gonna be fair. He didn't give preference to anyone because money, status, lawyer ability, political stance, friend or foe. He just couldn't be swayed. Now for 20 years, he had ruled this way and there was great trust, one one would almost say perfect trust in him. It just so happened one day that two cases came up. The men, of similar background, culture, age, and criminality had come before him with almost identical circumstances. Both had robbed a small convenience store with a handgun. The evidence was identical for the two, but in ruling for but in the ruling and in the punishment, for some reason the judge gave one man five years and the other man eight. Now people trusted the judge, and because they trusted him and knew that they knew that there must have been a good reason that they simply didn't understand. However, in the end, a reporter working through the, dis- the story determined that a weak moment in time and when the judge had been under tremendous personal stress, the judge had ruled more softly on the one man because he was the cousin of his wife with whom his wife had been, whom his wife had been helping through various issues in his life. Now, if you'd been one of the townspeople, how would you feel about that? Would you feel a sense of injustice, a lack of trust, maybe? Maybe even a lack of integrity for the judge in that case? And then, you would then also begin to question what you had never questioned before about this judge. Were all of his other cases really impartial? Was my case judged fairly? Can I trust him now? You see that one judgment or misjudgment in time makes every other judgment suspect. To fully trust a judge, he must be perfect in all cases throughout all time. This is the requirement of the keys of judgment handed to the Savior by his Father. He must be perfect throughout every judgment for all eternity. He cannot show preferential treatment or any favoritism whatsoever, otherwise the system collapses. This also means that he must live a perfect life because any error in his life would show a flaw, and that flaw could create doubt about preferential treatment. So, for the Savior to receive the keys of judgment, to allow us to enter the celestial realms, he had to meet the requirement of a perfect life and perfect judgment. There could be no flaw, no minor indiscretion, nothing that would indicate that his judgment would not be perfect in every case. The priesthood keys of judgment require this attribute, God must be just or creation cannot trust His Word. Now, there is a problem with a perfect life, a life without error or sin, and being able to judge imperfect beings. In the sense of justice, there is no concern to be able to judge those. But how can one give mercy and forgiveness in an impartial manner if you cannot understand the sin, the sinner, the innocent victim, and all of the circumstances in a real experiential manner. You would be missing a great deal of knowledge and information crucial to allowing for mercy to cover error. How can you really know how to judge repentance, sin? Who should receive a pardon? Who should not? If you had never experienced sin and its effects. How would you know how to take a broken soul and mend it? If you had never experienced it. Here's one of the major keys to the atonement of Jesus Christ. The only way that a perfect being can experience sin, injustice, error, pains of the victim, and remain perfect would be to do so vicariously. To experience sin as though he was the sinner, the innocent victim, all of the pains and sufferings of both the sinner and the victim who would suffer. The atonement of Jesus Christ was to allow the Savior to vicariously pass through every type and experience of sin, fully understanding it, feeling it even to the darkest of deeds, torture, assault, violence of every means, from the perspective of both the sinner and the victim. And then to add to all of that suffering, he would also need to feel every pain at at a personal level for every illness, deformity, and imperfect event, that would happen to mankind simply because we would come into a fallen world. Now, many of these injuries were not due to agency, but due to birth, genetics, and living in a world where things would not always be perfect. These are also injustices that need to be made right. Now, this includes heartache, desires, emotion, emotional pain, mental illness, darkness, and misery become beyond what even we could know or experience. Now, how all of that was accomplished in just a few hours may be just the reason for the drops of blood he sweat during the most intense moments in the garden, although I suspect that during his first 30 years of life, he learned a great deal about the injustices of life. Why does all of this suffering matter to our mental illness? Knowing the experience of the Savior and what he accomplished, we can actually better apply it to our own personal situation. If you are suffering mental illness simply because it is part of your personal set of trials in this life, and one of those weaknesses that the Lord has promised us, then the atonement plays an important part of our growth towards healing and exaltation. If you have the illness and are doing your best to live the gospel, then know that you've been given an opportunity to grow towards exaltation exponentially. Now, that may not be great comfort when the depression is real and the darkness is overwhelming, but it can certainly help to put that darkness and pain in perspective. You also have great access to the atonement when you are innocent of any sin. While the Lord may not be able to remove your mental illness due to the sanctifying effects it will have upon you in the eternities, he can provide added support when needed and relief for periods of time. I have experienced both. Each time I ask for a blessing from the priesthood, I would receive relief for a period of time from my illness. The amount of time varied, but I would always obtain it. I did not always need need to ask for a priesthood blessing. When I knew that I needed the Lord's help to fulfill an assignment, college, at work, at home, as a father, church, I could ask for the needed support. Now, that's if I had remembered to do so. But I don't remember a time when he didn't provide that support. The amount of support does vary, and at times it was not given until right before I was to accomplish the task. But I could always feel it. I have found the same to be true with my current autoimmune illnesses. I suffer with psoriatic arthritis and a second immune illness similar to lupus. While I was serving, while I have, was serving as a bishop of a ward, <clears throat> although at the time I was not entirely diagnosed, I remember times being in too much pain and too weak to hardly do anything. But as the time of the needed appointment and my bishop requirements would arrive, I would ask for help. And then I would drag myself up to my office. Each time a power would come over me and I would be able to serve without issue. Now that relief would last for several hours after I was finished with whatever I needed to do. And then I would return back to my original state. Now I doubt that any of my ward members really even knew I don't believe that it was because I was a bishop that I received the help. I believe that the Lord will provide sustaining strength to anyone whom he has asked to serve. Now, we can't run faster than we have strength, and I certainly couldn't overextend myself where I could allow others to take the load. But the Lord always provided me the strength I needed. Now, I had to ask each time, and I had to act meaning that I had to get myself up and go to my office. But I know that the Lord will provide. I have had similar faith-building experience after I was even released as a bishop. If you desire to access the atonement with your illness, understand the basic principles. The first is asking. This is a necessity and a rule of agency. Then you will probably need to act in some way. This could be as simple as getting out of your room or whatever the Lord feels that you should do. You must understand your limits and not run faster than you have strength. Finally, you must not expect a particular result from your prayer. Limiting the Lord's ability to provide measured strength, this means that you should not ask for what you, this, well this means you should ask for what you need and then be grateful for what the Lord provides, even if it isn't exactly what you asked for or expected. Now if your situation differs in that your mental illness has been caused by another actions, you know, actions of another who've been selfish, Or otherwise, then your reliance upon the powers of the atonement are going to differ a little. Not only will you go, you're going to need to work through the mental illness, but there will be need to be additional healing through forgiveness of another. If you're doing what you should be and could be in other words, doing your best to keep the commandments and the actions of another have been allowed to injure you then know that the Lord understands what has happened and has a plan to heal you and allow for you to move to more fully understand the atonement and the powers of healing and forgiveness in a very real way. You're going to access the powers of the atonement by prayer and by priesthood blessing and other sources of spiritual strength, but understand that the Lord may require counseling, medication, time, effort on your part to find healing from the illness and forgiveness for your perpetrator. I have found that the Lord gives this type of healing, the forgiveness and perpetrator, and forgiveness for the perpetrator, Um, understanding and the gift of forgiveness quite freely if we only have a desire to forgive. This doesn't mean that forgiveness is going to come easy to you, nor the desire to forgive quick. Without professional help or time, but you will feel the great power of the atonement to heal even the most distressing of emotional injuries to the point that you will feel empathy for your perpetrator and the justice that they may face if they do not repent. That might sound impossible right now because your injury was repetitive, deep and long lasting. But I have seen the power of it over and over again in the lives of those hurt by others. And this includes those who should have been their greatest protectors. Now for those who might have walked out from underneath the protective covering of the Lord and who have suffered injury, distress, grief, pain, and much sorrow, understand the Lord has not left you, but agency requires that he wait at a distance until you are ready to return. He can still turn those situations caused by your own actions into meaningful progress if you will just simply return and try. The Lord does not act for Ask for perfection right away, but simply that you come, ask, and listen. I think that when we are on the outside, it's easy to think that the Lord really doesn't want us back. I can tell you without any reservations that the only individual telling you that, that the Lord doesn't want you back is Lucifer or one of his agents. I understand that Lucifer also tells you that that road is far too difficult. You're not going to make it. The answer to that question is actually the road is not that difficult and the Lord is going to give you the strength and what you need to be able to walk it. You don't have to walk it all back alone to the Lord. The Lord is not waiting for you to climb to the top of the cliff to receive your reward. He's actually going to be your guide to get you there. One of Lucifer's greatest lies is that you somehow deserve your punishment of a mental illness, injury, life without the spirit, abuse. That lie tells you there is no atonement that you can access. While it is true that justice requires some punishment, the atonement was meant to relieve that punishment by providing mercy for those who would ask. We obtain mercy by coming to the Lord, meaning that we pray, ask for priesthood blessings, read scriptures, and do our best to live the lives as the Savior would want us to. This also means that we do it line upon line and precept upon precept. Repentance does not have to be a one-time event, nor an all-at-once event. The Apostles in the time of Christ, asked the Savior how many times they should forgive another person of an offense. They thinking that seventy-seven times, or they thinking that seven times, was probably a high number, had asked him if that number was sufficient. Uh, the answer was much higher, and created a truth that we sometimes forget. As long as the offender continues to fight, work, try, and ask forgiveness of us, we should for, we should grant the forgiveness and understand that they are working through it. Do you not think that the Savior was talking about his relationship with us as well? As long as we continue to fight with our weakness, work with the Atonement and the Savior, and continue to ask for forgiveness and mercy, the Lord is willing to grant it. Now this comes with a caveat. We cannot continue to err with the full intent of asking forgiveness, meaning lacking godly sorrow. This really comes down to the idea that we cannot repent just to get rid of the guilt really wanting to remain sinful, just going on sinning. This is actually mocking God and is one of the more egregious sins, adding sin to sin. As long as we, each time we go to the Lord, it is sincere and we are planning and working through our weaknesses, the Lord will forgive. I think, well, actually I know when I have experienced depression and the other sides of mental illness, the atonement always felt more inaccessible. I'm sure partly to do with the access Lucifer seems to have during those moments. But I know that when we are in those states of distress, the atonement is never more accessible in our lives. But the Lord has placed you in a position to experience it in ways that very few do. Access is often as simple as prayer, and it does not need to be more than, I need help. I promise that that help will come. Now, as I end today, my closing statement has never been more relevant to the discussion. The Lord requires the fight, and then he could do his part. Till next time.